This certainly has been the craziest, most unique, and arduous period of time for so many people across the world, across this country, in your neighborhood. Well, you get the gist. It seems like almost everyone you talk to has either been directly affected by this pandemic or knows someone who has. I also think a lot of us have been struggling to find a way to look out through the windows of our homes in which we're quarantining and make sense of the world we see happening in front of us. It can be easier than we would like to admit to view the world in a negative light because of this. How can we not? Look at what's happening around us, a pandemic in which hundreds of thousands of people have died and millions who are sick, some of which are struggling to survive. What about the millions of people who have lost their jobs and are struggling to make ends meet because of this pandemic? What else is going on? Politics? Don't even get me started. See, it's so easy to get carried away with this negative mentality. But here's something I've been thinking about. During this pandemic, I decided to start college classes. For those of you who may be wondering, I'm actually a ballet dancer, and generally, there aren't too many instances in my career where I find myself presented with a difficult calculus problem, or I encounter a situation where I need to perform chemistry, <laughs> so I didn't really see an immediate need to go to college. However, in my second term of my first year of college, I decided that I wanted to take a psychology class. I'd taken an introductory course to psychology at my high school, read some books and essays by psychologists in my free time. I even listened to a social psychology podcast called Hidden Brain, which was abundantly interesting. But this was a really immersive class compared to what I was used to. After we learned about the anatomy of and the chemistry that happens in the human brain, we moved on to human development, social development, and so on and so forth. Well. This class had not only rekindled my interest in learning about psychology, I was actively trying to apply what I was learning. Even after the term ended, I couldn't stop researching. Eventually, I read about this ancient stoic technique called negative visualization. Essentially, negative visualization is a technique where you think about what you have and imagine your life without it for just a moment. You may be wondering, well, what's the point of that if it's just going to depress me? <laughs> Rightly so. The outcome of employing this technique is that you are more grateful and appreciative for what you have in the moment, because now you can imagine your life without it. I wanted to know how I could apply this technique to my life, so I actively acknowledged instances where I was practicing this technique, really trying to become aware of its effects on my life. But here's the thing. I wondered if we could take this technique of negative visualization one step further. Earlier, we talked about the tragedy, heartache, displacement, and despair that this pandemic has caused in terms of the human cost, financial cost, and emotional cost. Well, this is something I can relate to. I remember on the morning of March 16th, 2020, coronavirus cases were rising here in Eugene. And we got to a point where, in the best interest of the health and well-being of all the staff and dancers at Eugene Ballet, that we decided we had to call the season off early. Right before this announcement was to take place, we were rehearsing one of my favorite ballets, Age of Innocence by Edward Liang. Now, 
We had been rehearsing a lot because this was a tough ballet. So this day I was particularly sore and remember not really wanting to do this run through. Eventually the music started and I danced through the pain. But I decided to take this run at 70% capacity so that I didn't get too tired to the point that I could hurt myself. Unfortunately, all I remember from that last run through in the studio was that I was upset that I was sore. And then the announcement came. I had little idea that that announcement would mean that I was going to be out of a job for the next 10 months, potentially even longer. I think as a dancer collective around the world, we took this opportunity to find other things to occupy our time. Some turned to cooking, training, biking, painting, school. Some even decided that this was the perfect moment to transition into a different career. I personally took to a few of these extracurricular activities like cooking, biking, podcasting, and school. Eventually, probably more towards May or June, I noticed that I was really into cooking. I would wake up early and make myself and my girlfriend a full breakfast, then go out later in the day for groceries so that I could do it all again that night. I was cooking ramen, pasta, risotto, tacos, empanadas, fried rice, you name it, and I cooked it. I loved it. As I started getting better at cooking, something strange started to happen though. If my food didn't turn out perfectly, like if a poached egg fell apart while I was plating it, I would get so enraged. I was grabbing the hot, imperfect egg with my bare hand and throwing it into the trash can. I would then throw my utensils into the sink and swear that I was going to give up cooking. When I thought about why this was happening, why was I doing this? For a while, I couldn't figure it out. But I remember one day, I was recording a podcast with a couple of the other dancers from my company. And as we were recording, I felt like I figured it out. I had been trying to use cooking as a substitute for dance. I needed something I could pour myself into and refine, because that's what I would do in ballet. I continued to think about negative visualization. Why was it not helping in these situations? I felt that I was doing it incorrectly. Think about something you love. Okay, dance, my job, the arts. Now, imagine that it's all gone for a moment. Oh, well, that makes sense. I stopped thinking of negative visualization as an object and a thing that you just do. And I began to think of it as a continuous exercise. Let's think of it in terms of this experience with COVID. So many of us actively lost loved ones, friends and family. Some of us lost our jobs, our businesses, our livelihood, our homes. We must look around us and see all of these negative experiences as a wake-up call to appreciate and be grateful for what we have now. And in some cases, this can teach us a harsh lesson to cherish and be grateful for things, people, for income, and a roof over our heads before they're all gone. If we're lucky, we can see that our lives are full of valuable things such as people, our jobs, and our comforts that should not be taken for granted. And if we are even luckier, this experience can teach us that as adverse and irregular as this suffering was for many of us, there are so many individuals that continue to suffer losses around the world. If we are truly grateful for what we have and for where we are, hopefully 
We can be compassionate of others that continue to endure these adverse conditions. I believe we are all capable of seeing what was in the past, the other side of the coin, the unprecedented hardships and turmoil that plague so many in this world, this country, even the people in your neighborhood or apartment complex. So when we all come out of this, of what has surely been the most adverse conditions that we have faced in recent history, let's not forget what it felt like so that we can heal collectively. Those of us with careers in the live and performing arts know just how hard of a run we have had this year. It feels as if we are screaming into a void. Help us, save the arts, save our stages. It isn't often that the arts cry for help. For the most part, we can do pretty well on our own. That's just the way it's always been. But this time is different. It's a different beast than we're used to. If we want to be heard, we can't just raise our voices. That's not enough. We must educate ourselves on the issues we are facing. We must use our voices to call out exclusivity and malpractices in our workplaces. We must paint a picture and use art as an engine of economic, cultural, and societal reflection. But most of all, we must do these things to start the conversations that ask, are we doing enough to support the arts? And are the arts working for everyone? Being upset and angry is just not good enough. Complaining about issues you see is not good enough. As an artist collective, we must meet the occasion. Because if we wait for someone else to do this work, it'll never get done. This just highlights the circular nature of how we've gotten to where we are today. So artists, this is a call to you. To not just see the problems and shortcomings that are evident in our day-to-day -day lives, but to respond and rectify them while opening up and streamlining communication channels with management staff. The arts world and the industries and companies therein should not be viewed in a way that highlights issues and problems without finding creative solutions to rectify those problems. We're artists. We think differently than others. We see differently than others. So let's use this to our advantage to progress in new ways that no one thought was possible. This is our industry. And in order to bring about the change that we want to see, we must always be learning, sharing, and trusting in the fact that we will all do our part. The responsibility is on each of us. So let's use this time in our careers to start the conversations, to learn what you want to see change, and visualize how we can creatively move forward with the goal of making a more inclusive, fair, open, safe, and healthy industry for ourselves and for the artists of the future. The arts truly can bring us solace, refuge, comfort, and clarity. So let's do our part to nurture and cultivate these values so that the integrity and the impact of art are never lost on us. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Arts Today. If you liked this episode, please share it with at least one friend. 
I hope you all had a wonderful holiday season, and hopefully this is the only one we will have to spend in quarantine. <laughs> New episodes are coming, and with a very exciting lineup of guests, including Xander Parrish, a principal dancer with the Marinsky Theater in Russia, the choreographer behind Hamilton, Andy Blinkenbuehler, and Andrew McNichol, a choreographer who has created some exciting new works for the Royal Ballet, among many others. Stay well, and thank you again for listening.